rolling. Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez here with Brad Binkley. How are you doing, Binkley? I'm taking a knee. <laughs> are you boycotting? Are you boycotting the Propaganda Report? I boycott everything. If I don't like the price of something in Publix, I take a knee. Is that why you've been calling me a racist lately? Yeah, you're a racist. <laughs> Everybody's Cause I, racist. Because I was late to the show. I'm a racist. Yeah, I started a list of things that are racist now because there's a whole bunch of new terms every oh. week that suddenly become racist. Like Dr. Seuss. Well, yeah, Did Dr. you get Seuss. that? Did you catch that? Dr. Seuss, Melania Trump wanted to give Dr. Seuss books to a library and the lady told her to go fuck herself. She is such a bigot <laughs> for trying to provide books for children. Sorry, I didn't mean to be vulgar out of the gate, but it really deserved that. So this librarian tells Melania, I don't want your present because Dr. Seuss is racist. And it was, I think, oh, the places will go, which is modern. Dr. Seuss, I don't even think, really wrote that That's one. modern racism. Yes, because I guess those little critters have ethnic implications. I don't know. It's so stupid. How did she know it was Melania with Melania having the clan hood on and everything? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It, maybe it was her southern accent, Melania's accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'll tell you the things that are racist now after this week since we yep. started right there. The things that are now racist are standing during the national anthem. Huffington po hu The Huffington Post headline yesterday oh, was – Oh, really? Stand yes. You can't wow. – You can't even stand. That is racist. Huffington Post, their headline said, if you stand for the anthem, you are standing for white nationalism. That, or no, white supremacy, not white nationalism. White supremacy, if you stand for the flag. Well, that you kind of said that uh, in the beginning. As soon as Colin Kaepernick started doing this, you said they're going to try to eliminate all the symbols, like yes. the American flag and the national anthem. I'm going to lay and, that out in a second, too. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, sorry. But the thing with the statues and everything, like it, it was beyond, of course, I mean, I think by that point, Oh, no, you, you actually were said that immediately, too. Like, they were going to try to take down Robert E. Lee, but next would be Thomas Jefferson, which came out within a couple of days after that. Who's next, George Washington? There's no telling what they're going to start taking down. They're, they're going to try to purge all the symbols. It might take a couple of years to progress to everything, but, you know, before we know it, Washington's going to have linen statues up all over it. Well, that's the thing. It's not that they're purging symbolism. They're replacing it with other symbols. And oh, it would absolutely. be okay with me. It would be okay with me if it purged symbolism because the symbolism is what keeps this loyalty to the the dictator or whatever. You know, the hierarchy gets in place because of all that symbology. But they so they're never gonna let that go. But even the guy you played the clips from, the indivisible guy or whatever he was saying how they want to change street names and all that. Yeah, he every, was saying, every street's going to be Black Lives Matter. Yeah, highway. they're not cha ch changing them to Elm Street. They're changing them to, uh, I don't know, Fight the Power Street. Uh, fuck White People Road. <laughs> Dude, don't you understand how deep my social conditioning is? We talk about this stuff, and it like I'm telling you, it's just like Clockwork Orange, where they showed the guy all the pictures of like terrible pictures and associated it with sex and then associated it with what he loved, which was Beethoven. So I guess he was like a rapist or whatever, but he experienced pain when he saw 
females or heard Beethoven, that's conditioning. <laughs> you know, he was conditioned and we have social conditioning. So any any discussion of any of this stuff, just I have to overcome that. So you throw that stuff out at me and I'm like, I haven't processed well, it's it. It's not me throwing it out at you. It's all over <laughs> the news right now. That's I mean, all there is. See, that's the thing. Like why – why is it okay to do that? And why do I not feel okay about doing it? I don't understand. I don't know. Everybody else is all right with it. I mean, I'm really like, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't think in those terms. I don't want to think in those terms. I don't even think there's any content to any of this. I don't see them, people saying what's inherently wrong with white people. You know what I mean? It's, is it, it's just history. But how many of us have really been a part of this history? It's all a bunch of bullshit what they're doing. They're making everything racist. I feel like the pep talk at CNN every morning is, I don't know what's going to happen today, but it's going to be racist, okay? So it doesn't matter what Trump does. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. Like that's the other thing that is suddenly, all of a sudden, it's racist now. Son of a bitch. That was not a racist term, not in the least bit. But now because Trump uttered it the other day. Well, it's sexist, right? Or is it doggist? I think it's probably it mean you're a dog? doggist. <laughs> it means you're a dog. Or as my son says, oh. gaysist. Is it gaysist? Or it's just observational. That the person is a, the son of a bitch. See, yeah. now a bastard, or what we used to say, what my mom used to say until she gave up vulgarity, son of a bitch and bastards? <laughs> what? I didn't even understand what it meant. But I know like a bastard is kind of censures the person who's the victim. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. Do you – I feel like the people who weren't here for the whole slave, slave-owning thing a long time ago, I guess by the color of your skin, you, you're drafted on whichever side. Even if you came from Africa or came from Ireland over the past hundred years, you're just drafted to the team based on skin color. But what about like Mexicans? And what about people who came over – People who are on that side, on the on the left, I guess now who came over, are they drafted to? You know, like what if are Mexicans white, and if they're white, are they racist? Are they well, part of the history? Do they inherit the history of America because they chose to live here? And does it really depend on like how dark your skin actually well, it's is? Well, a, it's oppressed minority is what the group really like is. Like Zimmerman. Just, George Zimmerman was – George Zimmerman, if he wanted to claim that he's an oppressed minority, then he could. But he wanted to, and they said, no, you're you're only a self-proclaimed – That's family. because he was up against another oppressed minority. When you, when you have oppressed mi- – that's that's how they do it. It it sounds racist so and it, terrible. Yeah, it sounds super racist because it is it based is the hierarchy skin color based, and then how does sexual orientation? You know that in? that's a good question. How, how, how sexual orientation factors in? <laughs> like Honestly, on the rainbow on the rainbow, like how because you know there's a spectrum, and that I do hundred well, percent believe that you're like absolutely can't deal with the same sex, or you go either way. Like, is there a hierarchy there too. Well, there's a hierarchy on how gay people are. I heard something the other day where they were talking about how a platinum gay is somebody who was born through a C-section and has never touched a vagina. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, they rank them that way. That's great. 
And I also heard that Antifa was fighting amongst itself. Black Antifa was was like coming at white Antifa and white Antifa at black Antifa. Well, someone called my show once and was like super pissed because I had a gay guy call who said whatever gay rights, oppressed minority. And then I had a black woman call who said that guy doesn't know what it means. Now, this was like five years ago before – I guess the memos went out on you know, how it works, stick together or whatever. But there was real like resentment that you don't understand what it's like to live in segregation or whatever. And then this guy was like, yeah, but at this, in some places it's illegal. You go to jail just for being who you are. So anyway, I felt like those, those differences had been marginalized now that the battle lines are drawn. Yeah. And, you're right. It is a tough thing to talk about, but when the media treats it the way that they treat it, it's just absurd, and you can't even take it seriously anymore. And this clip, I have uh, kind of a handful of clips here of how they reported Trump's comments. Trump was given a rally in Alabama, and during the rally, he said something like – I can't remember the exact wording, but he said, don't you wish the owners of these teams – when someone was on the field not standing, disrespecting the flag, they just pulled him off the field and they fired him, you know, and then the crowd went crazy. And so that became like the most racist thing that's ever been said in the world. And here's how the media reported that. He came proverbially as close as you could possibly come to shouting in a rally the N-word. You tell me which of those children's mothers or a son of a bee. That is racism. When the president refers to Colin Kaepernick in Alabama as a son of the B word, it is racial code for the N word. You don't have to agree with them, but that's not really the point here. No American gets to tell another American how to express their love for this country. So there you have it. The B word is now the N word. Dude, express their love. They're every single solitary phrase, word, and sentence of that little montage bothered me. I don't get it at all. Like how? And this is the thing: they're they're making equivalent things. Like I noticed on Fox, they were saying the worst thing you can be is a bigot. The worst thing you can be. I mean, we're talking child rape exists in the world, but the worst thing you can be is a bigot. And this guy is saying. That was the closest thing you could say to a racial epithet without actually saying it. So then now the bitch is a B word because you can't even say it because it really means the N word. I mean that that is such a leap that they made. And here's the thing. We're talking about it. And in reality, Trump, I think, proved with the UN speech we talked about last week that he's a complete globalist Manchurian candidate. Right. And and so many things are afoot that are complicated and hard to understand and really deserve attention. And of course we focus on the propaganda and boy <laughs> is there a lot of it out there. But Fox and CNN and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times they're treating this stuff like it's real hardcore journalism and they don't even talk about the obvious ridiculousness of of these of these statements they just go right along with it yeah they validate it as a real story even though even if it were a real story you would treat it differently you would dig in 
you would uh, identify the logical fallacies. You wouldn't give it the time of day or you'd be horrified when both sides and not just be so biased. It's so obviously just this dialectic. Oh, yeah. It's clearly a dialectic and everybody's missing what the real purpose of this whole protest thing is, which I'll get to in a minute. But you're right. What you see on the news right now is some of the most absurd stuff that I've ever seen in my life. Like if somebody wrote a script, I wouldn't believe it. I'd be like, you can't include this. It's too unbelievable. It's too ridiculous. Listen to this. All right, this is Brian Brian Stelter. I'm going to play you two clips of Brian Stelter or one of Brian Stelter which from CNN. Which one is he again? He hosts the show called Reliable Sources, which is completely unreliable. <laughs> He's the CNN media analyst. No spin zone. I remember being like, absolutely incorrect. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch that show. It's like, this is the most politically correct stuff I ever heard. This is the biggest spin I've ever heard. Yeah. And he's not even good at it. He's not convincing at all. He's not empathetic. And everything on his show is propaganda. After I play his clip, I'm going to play a clip of Anderson Cooper, which aired, I think, the next day. And this kind of speaks to what you've talked about with the vulgarity stuff, but just the absolute – they don't even give a shit that they contradict themselves on an hourly – on a minute-by-minute basis. They're like walking contradictions. Every other word contradicts the one before it. Here is Stelter's clip. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. We thought about bleeping uh, when he said that word. (laughs) Some shows have, some shows haven't. But my my feeling is if you object to the language, you should write to the White House, not CNN. Okay, if we object to the language. This just makes me sick, though, because of the hypocrisy. They have started. Well, hold on. Hold on. I know. Let me play this other clip. Then you can go into that. Let me play this other clip for you. Then you can go into that because this is what you made me think of this. This is Anderson Cooper like two days later. I don't know who this guy is. He's interviewing some sergeant. Uh, I heard a conversation earlier today where they indicated that if the task force commander wanted to do airdrops uh, he could make a recommendation that that's bullshit <laughs> that was the next day on cnn the next day yeah. not previously oh that's so no great. yeah that was after stelter's comment wow that you know that i really think that they do this this hypocrisy stuff on purpose like the tom price thing tom price stepped down today because he got on a government plane while working for the government on government business if i just scanned the headlines correctly which obviously people have done before and eric holder like took his family to some game and uh and didn't have to step down for it there was lots of that stuff in the obama white house it's the hypocrisy i think is part they do it on purpose my husband freaked out the other day was like why do they ride he's not a he doesn't even vote, so he doesn't care. But it's like they just ride Trump relentlessly. And Obama used to say the same stuff. And not the same stuff, but he's like the same crazy, ridiculous, partisan nonsense. And they totally gave him a pass. What is with this? this is crazy. I'm sick of it. This is a guy who does not vote. He doesn't even care. He's he not a Trump fan. He doesn't care. But it's driving him crazy. And I said part of it is to drive you crazy. They do it to drive you crazy. First of all, to make you think that the media is terribly biased and to give Trump more of a pass than he'd otherwise get, which is true. You give him the benefit of the doubt when you dismiss everything his critics say because they're so ridiculously biased, but also to really provoke and divide us. 
along those lines without actually having to provide any content. Yeah, and it drives you mad. He's right. It yeah. makes people and that's who what's for. are disinterested get interested and feel like it pushes people towards one side or the other. Absolutely, because blatant hypocrisy makes your blood boil like or illogic. You know, you're just like, that's ridiculous. Why does he say it? Why doesn't he explain it? It's so stupid. Yeah, like the whole call that everybody – I mean this drives me crazy. I know, I know what they're doing, and it still drives me crazy. But this like united effort, they're saying they're standing up for racial injustice when it really sounds to me like they're all fighting to get a bad quarterback who grew up in a privileged, rich family a job. That's like here, – here's, here's Spike Lee making his case for why Kaepernick should – you know, have a quarterback position in the NFL. Why Why somebody who was a backup quarterback on the worst team in the NFL last year should be a starter in the NFL, despite the fact that he brings all of these issues that nobody wants to deal with. Here's, here's, the, here's what he compares it to, which is utterly insane. Branch Ricky made the decision, we're going to hire Jackie Robinson. Nobody else wanted him. That was the decision. The Brooklyn Jackie no, let, Robinson's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Of, what are you talking about? He was a Hall of Fame paper before Branch Ricky hired him. He's comparing Colin Kaepernick <laughs> to Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was the best. I mean, he was the they best had, player they couldn't in deny the league. Him. They couldn't right. deny him. Yeah, so they, they, were, they were willing to put up with the social you know, tension that it caused because the guy was amazing. Colin Kaepernick's going to be sitting on the bench causing problems, and not to mention – Spike Lee didn't even know his history. Technically, Jackie Robinson was not the first African-American to play in the major league. There were African-Americans who played long before him. So, oh, in the regular league? Yeah. There's a couple of them. I can't remember. There's one guy who played like 70 years before him. In the Wow, that is so interesting. To compare Colin Kaepernick to... Jackie Robinson should be like a – they should put Spike Lee in jail for at least a little while and be like, quit saying stupid shit, dude. That's so stupid. <laughs> you can't put people in jail for saying stuff. I know. Now I sound like a fascist. Yeah. I have. Can I make a comment? Yeah, go ahead. You can tell that this stuff – these are setups that they're getting teed up. For, first of all, Trump plays right into this stuff. It's stupid. He rejuvenates yeah. these things time and time again after they've faded from the headlines Obviously, just as a device to get them back in the headlines because this is a reality show, in my opinion. But if you're consistent about following the rules, then you don't really – it doesn't have to go this far. So, like, if they – there were – I immediately asked, what are the rules? Are they supposed to stand during the anthem? I mean, a long time ago when you first brought this up, I was like, okay, whatever the rules are, I'm sure there are rules against it. They should even have rules about the haircut. You're right. It's not a First Amendment thing. It's a matter yeah. of the No, it's the, the NFL team. rules. And, and even if it were laws, like Reagan, I believe he did it twice. I think when he was governor of California, when he put down the Berkeley riots, I think that he was just completely within the law to do that. And when he – put down the air traffic controller strike. He was completely within the law to do it. And he said from the very beginning, I am, this is the way the law reads. You are not allowed to do that. If you do it, I'm not going to allow it. And then another more recent example, which I knew the fix was in when they were rolling out ISIS and they were like, Oh, we don't know what to do. We can't get congressional approval. Oh, it's just going, it just keeps going and we can't stop it because it's too slow to stop it. That was completely untrue. They had confiscated U.S. This is the official story was that they had confiscated U.S. military equipment from the Iraqi army and they were, they were 
in a convoy using it, you do the field commanders are permitted to bomb that stuff. You can't let enemies or anybody else take your your firearms, your equipment away. You can't do it. So if they just play by the rules, these issues wouldn't come up. And because uh, actually, even though I'm an, an anarchist, I recognize the value of rules. I'm not crazy about the course of monopoly state, but rules are there for a reason. They make sense. We have a lot of rules that keep us safe, <clears throat> that work, that have been tried and true, which is why they have to violate these rules. And the last thing I'll say is, for example, the Kate Steinle, the chick on San Francisco Pier, whose murder kind of kicked off Trump's campaign. They're like that guy. When I, I talked about Fox News having uh, a, a big high-level discussion between two anchors, one of whom was a lawyer, saying there was no penalty whatsoever for, I, I would call it recidivism, repeat offenders for crossing the border. Yet this guy who's accused of the crime, Juan Francisco Lopez Sanchez, or Sanchez, Lopez Sanchez, I think it is, was put in jail for five years, three times consecutively for crossing the border to the point where he was finally told to report to a mental institution because clearly he wanted to go to the jail. But the, the laws were in place. The, these are fabricated things. And the fact when they ignore the laws, that's when I know not only uh, is the government in on it, allowing this stuff to happen, but the media is in on it too because it wouldn't take much to say this makes no sense. Yeah, I think I think there's people at the top of the media that are in on it. I also think that some of those people that work in the media are so. I, I don't. I think I don't think they're you know all that bright upstairs. Oh, and I think I, they have to be absolute conformists. They have to not yeah. ask questions. Either too stupid to ask questions. The same. It's the three pillars uh, for me of of social control or whatever, however you want to call it. It's academia, media. And politics. These are people who either get it and go along with it, because, and they're going to ride it to the top, or they get it. They they know they they don't want to. They want to understand the paradigm. They need to understand what's expected of them, and show that they can deliver that. Or they're just too stupid to know any better and barely grasp it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, too stupid yeah, yeah. or. or or just not interested, just say, okay. Well, they're in their survival mode when they're trying to work their their way up or their ambition. career ladder. Yeah, it's ambition. It's yeah, and survival. They also, they don't want to, they're afraid to speak. Even if somebody does hold an opposing view, persons speaking up are going to be very slim. It's the spiral of silence. I've talked about it before where right. the outward illusion that the, this minority opinion is what everybody believes. Like when you just – openly all the time talk like oh yeah the russian collusion thing and you make it seem like everybody believes that the few that control the media can make it seem as though this is the majority opinion which will make everybody else reluctant to speak up because they think that they're by themselves or isolated in their belief that this might not this might not be what they're saying it is so the the silent majority stay silent that spiral of silence absolutely like this uh, what just came out this proposal of tax reform People are like, oh, we need tax reform, or like the even more ridiculous one is Trump's like trillion dollar infrastructure plan. Like, I promise you this, everybody's desperate for tax reform. If anybody even looked at what they're proposing, no American voter is desperate for this impossible to understand and likely regressive. I'm so tax desperate for tax reform. And they're talking about it like people really, I mean, if you listen, they are telling you this is how people feel about it. But I wanted to say one thing about 
the silence spiral of silence one person and i i was absolutely raised to detest him as a pinko <laughs> by my dad uh phil donahue supposedly what's a pinko a pinko is uh like a communist is a red but like an american communist sympathizer he's like a fellow traveler traveler Traveler, exactly is a pinko so gene kelly was a pinko and uh danny thomas was a pinko and phil donahue was a pinko so and carol o'connor was a pinko i'm just telling you how my father would say so phil donahue so now i'm so uh disgusted with the dishonesty in the world i i actually would rather have a uh, sincere pinko like Dennis Kucinich is second to Ron Paul, you know, in my mind, even though I would disagree with everything he had to say, but he would end the Fed because nobody thinks that isn't cronious nonsense. But apparently Phil Donahue lost his job and he was so popular because uh, he would not get in line behind the Iraq war. There was even on the left a complete a push down of dissenting opinion, you either had to go just shut up about it. There was no anti-war, or I should say it was limited. It was controlled, the anti-war. Yeah. Then there's none under Obama, zero. You just reminded me of something. I saw a story yesterday that was about North Korea's propaganda, and it showed their propaganda posters, and it talked about how atrocious they represent us, and they represent us as murdering babies. And I'm reading this article, and I'm going, does a person who wrote this even realize that the whole Syria gassed babies is the exact same thing as what they're writing about right now? It, he probably has no idea. Are the North Korean guy was writing about us the way we write about Syria. No, yeah. Well, the the it was a CNN person who wrote oh. the article, but the story was about this North Korean propaganda is – atrocious it's terrible they they're they're representing americans as baby killers (laughs) in order to provoke their country into hating us i'm going that's exactly what we do the north korean propaganda is so silly like has the guy's haircut it's so ridiculous that i actually i believe that it's fake like i think that's that is what has convinced me that we prop up that regime to give us an excuse to be belligerent in the region maybe to Whatever, but I could be wrong about that. But it's just so extreme. However, our stuff is like that too now. Like if you look from the outside at Trump, that's what people look at. They make fun of his hair. Yeah, his, his orangeness. Yeah, he's, they don't even represent him as white. He's orange. They, yeah, they say he's like if you're anti, you hate orange people. I I didn't even get that for a long time. Like you just don't like Trump because you're. You don't like yeah, orange. Cheetos is what Cheetos, they call them. exactly. Cheetos. Yeah. I have heard that one. So he doesn't do that anymore, though. He doesn't he's tan not himself anymore. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. trying to pale himself out. He's uh, put oh, the clan he hood back on. March. Person of pallor. Do what? He wants to be a person of pallor. <laughs> That's what my exactly. friend Liz used to call herself. <laughs> like, well, if you can be a person of color, can I be a person of pallor? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Pale pallor. I never got it before. No, I got you. It just took a second. I hadn't got it. No. Me. All right. The whole NFL protest or whatever you want to call it is some people genuinely feel that it's about race. I get that because they're propagandized into thinking that it is about race. And some people – for some people, they genuinely feel that the people who are protesting are 
you know, disgracing the flag. So it's a, to the people involved, it's yeah. about completely different things. But what they all miss is the fact that this is for the people who are propagating this, who are behind yeah. this whole protest and who are mm-hmm. behind Indivisible and who are behind the Women's March and this whole resistance movement. Yeah. This protest is is a unity tactic. It is a unity tactic, and they don't give two shits about any of the issues involved with it. These tactics are used by anybody who wants to concentrate power into their own hands. I just know them because it's how I studied it as being more associated with communists. But I also know that you know, when I read Bernays stuff, he's doing the same stuff. He's just dressing it up in different language. You should put that in the glossary. What? Unity tactic? Unity tactic. Uh, the unity tactic is actually – it's part of a grander scheme which is the strategy of access. This is when Lenin and Stalin – Lenin first and then Stalin is when they perfected the strategy of access and the unity tactics. They needed to use a strategy of access because prior to 1935, they used openly communistic, aggressive, you know, red revolutionary appeals, and it isolated them. It scared people off, so it, it made it hard for them to expand the parties. They did not have access to the broader public mind, so they couldn't gain control over the broader public. So that's kind of like what Obama did. He started super, super radical in inner city Chicago, if you'll recall. Yeah, yeah. And then you broaden it up, you soften it up to get more people on board. It, exactly. And in 1935, at the seventh communist. International Congress, <laughs> yeah. they decided to change their approach, and instead of using those open, aggressive appeals, from then on out, deception was going to be their core tactic. They were going to shed their colors of communism. They were going to speak the language of democracy, and they were going to approach the public in an indirect way that didn't have any hints of communism. They were going to wrap themselves in the ideological banner and infest like a parasite, any useful group, which could bring – or even though they weren't – they would not be able to – they could exercise that power, but they couldn't do it in, in their own name. But they could still have the power, and that's their ultimate goal is the you concentration the of power. Party. You know, yes, exactly, and, and that's what they do. So they create these – they either create front organizations or they co-opt organizations. And they that, co-opt everything. These things just – you can just tick them off one by yeah, one. They target anything that – has influential influential power over their target audience, the group, and, the groups that they're targeting, and they send out all these little pied pipers. So anytime I see somebody who, like, all of a sudden, I see like the same guy. I don't want to name names. I don't want to antagonize specific people. Okay, I hate being attacked, but <laughs> you'll see a guy who you never saw before. Never heard of him before, and now all of a sudden people are retweeting him, saying, you, oh, did you see his latest blah, 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 as blah, blah, blah says. I mean, this happens. and When somebody explodes onto the scene, I feel like he's put there to uh, kind of define a niche and bring everybody into that niche like as a module and then plug it into the bigger movement, whatever that is. Yeah. And some people do it voluntarily. They just co-opt themselves because they see that's where the wind's blowing. Well, they also – a lot of people have no idea that they've they're, they've been infected by communist oh, groups. Yes. No, I get I – get, I fall for stuff every once in a while that uh, they'll say like I'll, I'll get turned on to somebody who seems good 
And it's like what you were saying about Mein Kampf. Like, you'll read, like, oh, that's good, that's good. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe. Let me go wash my uh, hands for a second. Yes, yes, but I, but not that bad. But, like, where you think it's real, and then it ends up being disinfo, and you've stupidly, like, said, oh, that guy's great. William Graham Sumner is one of them. He was a, an original sociologist at Yale. I had his quote at the top of my website for the longest time that in the end there's going to be socialists and anarchists and at that time I'll be an anarchist apparently that guy was controlled opposition from 100 years ago right uh, well that that's the purpose he's the guy of the who whole coined forgotten man which is something that Trump talks about oh right interesting i didn't know yeah. that mm-hmm. uh, that's that that's their whole strategy is to covertly take control over people and organizations without you know without the people realizing they're communists because as they learned if they came aggressively as communists it would turn people off so they have to do it Covertly, and they approach groups who have no ideological connection to communism, to Marxism. They approach the groups that are most vulnerable to the type of appeals that that they use, and this is where the unity tactic comes in. They approach them based on a united goal, you know, a common goal, and the the segments of the public that they focused on, and this is in the International Communist uh, Congress. You know, notes and stuff. This is the speeches they gave. So this isn't just me saying that it's, oh, they're targeting liberals. No, they targeted liberals because they believed that liberals did not have a set of values that they stuck to. They, they had fluctuating values that could easily demoralize them, and they believed them to be the most vulnerable group in society that they could most well, easily gotta, manipulate. You, you have to define liberal because that's a term that in Europe means – really means more like libertarian and here our founders they describe they have a whole chapter describing the stalinoid man the mass man and they're they're describing the progressives in america and And it talks about reminds me of your algis huxley is it algis huxley thing with the 20 percent, 20 percent, and 60 percent? like 20 percent will never can never be hypnotized 20 percent are easily hypnotized and the others are the ones you want to sway because you're not going to sway the You've got your true believers on the one end and your absolute skeptics on the other. And it's that middle. And I, I feel like that's true. There's so much of that uh, wishy-washy fodder, if, you know, that you can either side tries to co-opt. Right. Well, they don't even, at least uh, according to this book, when they were doing this back in this book was written like in the 50s, they didn't target those groups that were not. You know, didn't easily fall into their their hands. They right, they targeted exactly. the the mass of people that were most that they could most easily use those Marxist appeals, and that they could easily gain control over their organizations unnoticed. You know, right. under the veil of democracy, it talks about how they right, learned right. to exploit the symbols of peace, democracy, yeah. unity, liberalism, and. They thrived on any time there was chaos and instability. They could create a common enemy. And they could thrive in those conditions because they could enter into those groups and they could sh- they could suggest and then take up leadership positions that other people, because of you know inertia, people just don't take the they're initiative to do that. Yeah, they're yeah. not ready to act that quickly. So exactly. if you say one guy, you have somebody there who says, "I want we we need a president," and then the other guy says, "I can do. I have some time." You know. Yeah, and that's what they did. They they go into these groups. They'd empathize with their struggle. They'd. I would be surprised that. if Hitler did that kind of thing. No, Hitler did do that kind of thing. Yeah, he writes okay. – he modeled a lot of the stuff he modeled. Was, he rose to power. It really looks a little bit orchestrated, which I think it probably was. Well, Hitler was – Hitler used some of their tactics, but at least mm-hmm. according to his book, he was 
he was more direct. He he didn't do the indirect approach. He did the direct approach. Right, but I'm just saying, like, where you know, go in knowing what you're going to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have a good sense of the psychology. I'm just saying I think he was more support. Like, the book that I read, Conjuring Hitler, about how the uh, English kind of set Germany up for this kind of thing without really knowing exactly what it was going to look like. They wanted a certain kind of violent disgruntlement at the bottom. And then when they saw a person like Hitler, specifically at one point Hitler, you know, they can find that person and promote him. And I think what they, they do here is there are a lot of people like that and, uh, you know, maybe mayors and they put these people in all these positions and then like Ted Cruz and Trump, I feel like they put them or even Hillary could be in that mix, too. They put them all in there and just see which one sticks like it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They talk about how they talk about training their cadres in this book where they train an army of cadres that will be kind of like the people you talk about. It said the way they talked about it, it was it seemed more like they were describing the people who get really into indivisible who go to the rallies and become the local group leaders, and they concentrate the power, which Indivisible has done. You have to register your, your local group. You, everybody gets the same talking points, and they exercise control from a central location by training these cadres and sending them out all over the country, which is the same thing that Indivisible has done. And after they co-op these groups, they have no interest whatsoever. They even talk about how during the 7th Congress, they talked about how they need to really focus on anti-war, even though they were all about war. They need to focus on anti-war because that's an appeal that they can yes, really yes. get in and manipulate the, these progressives with. And once they got in there and they took control of the organization and they got – they concentrated this social power. They under, they understood social power is, is, is power, is political power. You leverage that social power so that you can take over whatever it is you're trying to take over. And once they've concentrated it, anybody who is in that group that helped them gain that power, that might threaten their leadership, yeah. they hated more than they hated yeah. the opposition. Okay. They didn't give oh, a yeah. shit about the opposition. Yeah. So just like Lenin – yeah. So these people who are helping, you know, indivisible, the resistance, right. the Kaepernick thing, they are going to be the first ones who are expelled from the group, or if it gets to the really extreme, expelled from the country or killed, like Lenin and Stalin did. Well, and oh, good. Yeah. I just want to say, like, that could shed some light uh, when you look at people like Tom Price and Jeff Sessions who get thrown under the bus. You're like, what? How could you do that? You know, I I think the Steve Bannon thing is completely orchestrated his rise and fall in the inner circle, but these other guys, I'm not sure those guys got eliminated from Congress and the Senate, and they they didn't gain any power. You know what I mean? Like they were in helping Trump rise, and then right. now they're on the rocks. Or in Tom Price's case, out. He lost his congressional seat in disgrace in the end. Jeff Sessions will probably go down in, in flames, too, after he does what he was called upon to do. And I just I've been trying to piece together how why these people get sacrificed. But they do. I don't yeah. I don't know in this case, but I could I, I this you may could be, be right. Red I want to pull on as time goes on to see how it shakes. Yeah, out. they don't at least the, the Leninist Stalinist communists. They did not want 
anybody who was targeting the same target audience in their group that might threaten their power. So they just got rid of them. They would use them as much as they possibly could, and then they would just get rid of them. Well, I also want to say with this root stuff, like getting into the communities and spread out across the country, both Laswell uh, and Saul Alinsky. So Laswell was like in the 50s at the latest, I think, and Alinsky was in the 60s, said to do exactly that. Like go to the grassroots, talk to the regular guy in their own community and just get into their minds that way. Absolutely. And Indivisible actually showed their true colors recently, but I'm sure that nobody in the group really noticed it at the time, and they might not notice it until you know years after, and they reflect on it. But prior to the Trump-Pelosi getting together and making a deal and talking about the Dreamers, you know, Indivisible was sending out emails calling for justice for the Dreamers. Save DACA. Call your senators. Here's your script. Call your senators. Make sure they save DACA. Don't let Trump the racist do this. And then suddenly Trump is meeting with Pelosi, right? And this threw them because in the Indivisible Guide, it makes abundantly clear that they know that the, the group members want to focus on progressive things, but we just can't do that right now because there's a racist monster, yeah. so we have to focus on <laughs> resisting. Only resist, only resist, only resist, only conflict. So when Trump spoke out about about making DACA legal, about protecting the – I love the Dreamers, love the Dreamers. That threw him through a loop. So what, what happened is Indivisible goes to Pelosi's speech, and while Pelosi is speaking about some other topic, a bunch of people start chanting – all of us or none of us. All of us or none of us. And they disrupt her meeting, and it was indivisible. I checked on the group to see who it was and the people yeah. interviewed. It was absolutely indivisible. So they got what they wanted on the surface, and then they were like, yeah. wait a minute. So and then they, yeah. then they sent people in to make an impossible demand. Now, this Bolshevik book talks about that. They convinced people to make impossible demands that they could never actually practically put into play because that that's going to keep them striving for something. So they 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 did that here with Pelosi and they're fucking these people over that are helping them. They got what they wanted. They're saying, "Nope, we we only want conflict." It shows that they only want conflict. They don't care about the best interest of these people that they're manipulating. And anybody who is in indivisible should really step back and take a look at that. All they want is conflict. And that that to me is the best example of them showing that after getting what they demanded and then a week later contradicting that demand by saying nope we don't want it anymore all of us or none of us i uh i'm gonna have to take a break in a sec but i just wanted to um point out i feel like it was relevant to an earlier comment but i can't remember what it was that this guy i guess the guy was shot uh, shot two cops in georgia today did you see that story no so a guy and the pictures of him are super weird he had a shirt off when he was arrested. Oh, he's naked when he was arrested. He had all kinds of tattoos. He really looks like he could have been like a white supremacist guy. And anytime I ever see stories like this, like uh, I just national stories. It was on Fox.com when of like get, cops getting shot or cops shooting people. I always look for the agenda and I feel bad. I'm like, why do I always think like these things do happen occasionally? Yeah. So I'm looking at it and in every single article, Every article about it so far, it said uh, he was apprehended using the blue alert system, the blue alert system, the great new blue alert system. I'm like, okay, I got it. The blue alert system. They just kept emphasizing yeah, that. They just, yeah. And I mean, you never heard it before in your entire life. 
And then Only God knows how many would have died had it not been for that new blue <laughs> alert system. So I think it's like an Amber Alert about this girl oh, Amber, God. except for that it's for cops. I hate cops the getting alert. shot. So now they're going to do that. So you're going to get like a. I don't know because I, I was just uh, I just saw it in passing. Like you're going to get no, a cop with shot Amber Alert. This is the first pass of the story, so I just feel like it's going to be a big bigger story. But so anytime. There's going to be some kind of siren that starts blaring out of your phone. I think the Amber Alert makes it harder to save these kids because the alert is so obnoxious. It scares the shit out of you, and you throw your phone across the room. Oh, and they're not going to look. Look around at other cars. They're busy trying not to crash. Yeah, I always worry that what if the person who kidnaps somebody has a car just like yours, and you're driving in traffic, you, oh, you hear yeah. an Amber Alert, they describe your car, and maybe yeah. they describe somebody kind of like you, you're looking, everybody in traffic's oh, looking at they, you. They shoot you in the car, that happens. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> you know? Okay, I'll button up the Kaepernick break. thing real quick. Yeah. What what they're doing with the taking the knee thing, it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tactic of this bigger strategy to cause division and destabilization in the country and to purge the idea of Americanism, to make the idea of Americanism racist. Oh, to, yes, of to course. To make globalism. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yeah. it's this ideology of tyranny where it's all about divisiveness. Why? Because they need you to be completely distracted from what would actually unite us, even if you believe in a safety net or not. Most of the other stuff we would unite over. Exactly. And, that's all about. and especially if the dividing lines are things that you cannot control color of your skin, your sexual orientation, which is so weird to me that those identifying factors are coupled with like economic policy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. because you're gay, we need more welfare. It's like, why? Why? A lot of gay guys are super. They have the, they have uh, like the most money. Great jobs. Yeah. Like, and if they, if you don't have kids, whatever, um, you're probably not going to want to pay 55% taxes. Yeah. Yeah. But you're gay, so <laughs> you get the gay yeah. welfare. I had a friend who was a Republican and gay, and I, he just couldn't take it anymore. So that's what they're doing with the flag. The flag, formerly a unifying symbol, has now definitively been turned into a symbol of oppression and division for some people, which every time it, it, it goes up, people are going to feel that. So there's going to be that conflict that, that's there, and as long as they continue to push it, it's only going to grow. The same thing with – with all the symbols associated with it, with the anthem, now they're trying to push that if you stand up for the anthem, you're, you're a white supremacist. They're trying to push that whole narrative. They're trying to make this thing cause the most tension and the most conflict as possible. And this is what, I, this yes, is what the Bolsheviks did. When I, when I heard that rally in Boston, the free speech rally, the first thing I thought was uh, Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't believe that, but like that's how – it's the conditioning. It's really – you have to really stay on your toes. And that's why whenever I see any newspaper article or anything, um, I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, what's the agenda of this naked guy with the tattoos shooting a cop? Like what is the agenda? Because you have to be ever wary. You have to be ever on the alert that they're messing with your mind. And I would say – Especially like the only I, I don't listen to CNN too much because I really can't stand it. But I still believe Fox, which I do listen to, is one hundred percent, one hundred percent propaganda. I mean, that's all it is. Uh, oh, yeah. so you really have to be on alert, and that's what makes my mom mad because I'm just like every single thing. I'm like, this is what that's about. This is what that's about. This is what that's about. And she's like, can barely watch the news anymore. And I'm like, yes, now you're getting it. <laughs> you know? Stop watching it. 
you know, I they, have to. I do it for the people. They tweeted or they did a story about a Trump tweet. That's like dominates all the news is a Trump tweet. And he tweeted, I think it might have been Hillary's book, and he tweeted like somebody made a meme of an X on it, and it was a black X, you know, like a black piece of tape, electrical tape across a book. You know, X, like this book sucks or whatever. So that's what it was. It was just a normal X, and the angle that CNN took on the story was Trump retweets a picture of Hillary's book with an X on it that symbols the Confederate flag. And then they show the Confederate flag overlaid, and they highlight the <laughs> kind of broad X on the Confederate flag. I'm like, it's a freaking X. Are you kidding me? And plus, it kind of looks like a swastika also. Yeah, the letter X is now <laughs> anti-Semitic and racist. The letter X? The so letter I guess X. Sesame Street will no longer be brought to you by the letter X. No. That is almost funny how like they can do that. They can just, like, the word bitch is now racist. Why? And why is it racist like isn't it racist to think it's racist it's in, yeah it is absolutely you know what racist I mean? what, like, what, that, what are you saying it's an exercise in creativity too it's like all right we already know we're going to make it racist <laughs> we just have to creatively put it together we used to do an improv yes, exercise yes. like and when they do it that way i think they think it's extra funny like that that's when they get to mock us and they do you know they're right but they they really they're not mocking ever, as many people as they think because think about it half of the people don't vote <laughs> so I mean, some of that's because we have an electoral college and not the popular vote. But a lot of people are not engaged at all because it's such BS. So they're not fooling those people. You know what I mean? They're king of the mountain, but their mountain is full of sheep. Yeah, yeah. You know, it gives them some satisfaction to laugh at us. But what fun is it to laugh at somebody who's so easily fooled? Try to fool me. Like, whoever's fooling me, and I'm sure they are, like, I think it's possible that everything I think is... And it's it was fed to me through the internet as like a, a deeper layer of propaganda that I'm not capable of recognizing. But that's gotta be a little harder than bitch is racist. <laughs> you know, that's gonna be a little trickier than uh we don't say bitch but we say bullshit. I mean anyway. Yeah, racist. Just, Everything's spiral, racist. Spiraling yeah. downward into uh listen to this yeah. clip. This is South Park. This is from last year. Solving the Take a Knee protest. For our national anthem, we now ask you all in solidarity to please rise or sit or take a knee in order to honor America. Standing, sitting, or kneeling, they are all honoring America. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. The whole Russia thing is back again. It's back, you know, every couple of weeks or so. <laughs> Yeah. Tapper starts off this – just listen to how he starts off this question. It's unbelievable the assumptions and the logical fallacies present here. These Russian operatives who were using Twitter, Facebook, and, and other platforms to spread misinformation, lies uh, about Hillary Clinton, is there any evidence that you know of tying anyone in the Trump campaign orbit with any of these Russians? Well, these are some of the questions that we're going to ask when we have our open hearing with these companies uh, uh, in October, and that is... So basically the answer was no there, but the beginning of that clip, Tapper emphasized these lies, misinformation. He hasn't seen the ads. There's like a... Fa How does he know they're lies? He hasn't seen the fucking ads. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just unbelievable. So is he going home at night thinking... 
I did so great trying to beat Trump. Or is he going home at night thinking, I hope Trump invites me to his Christmas party, you know, like the way Joe Scarborough and Mika went to his Christmas party. Like, is Tapper a true believer? Are they just full of it? Are Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to figure the same thing out too. Like, does he feel good about himself doing that? Is he Does he think he's doing something real? I think most people, except maybe psychopaths, rationalize what they're doing and believe themselves to be in the right. So whatever information he has, I guess he believes that he is propagating these lies, which are lies, for the greater good or a greater good that he believes. I don't in. think I no he knows idea. they're lies. Oh, yeah, he might. I've met I've met people on both sides. I mean, he knows he hasn't seen those ads. Yeah, I've seen both people. I There are both kinds of people. Yeah, like once – but he could be confident that it's true. Yeah, it could be you know, wishful Or he thinking. could be laughing like who cares. I've met people in politics who have said both things to me. Like, oh, I – even if it's not true, that's even better. As a matter of fact, it's a specific person who's in a high-level controlled opposition organization right now. It took me the longest time to figure it out. It's like, boy, I didn't think he was a good guy, but now – You're not going to name names? No. Someday I'll out him – inadvertently but not not with like a direct quote <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah. do that i can't it was too like the way i just i it was absolutely true what happened like he said that he was like he totally made some statistic up for a senator and uh i was standing there because he was no longer working for them but they called him up and he and i said how did you know that off the top of your head and he said i didn't i said but it's a total lie he said i know it's not great the bet the more the better yeah. Yeah. So I can't add it because that was just too egregious, too private. I can't I can't do it. But I will expose uh I think I, I won't let him get away with it. Well with statistics, the way they lie is they don't say ninety nine, they say ninety nine point zero two one three five. Because who would lie about something that specific? Yeah. But it's true, statistics are so you absolutely believe what the person is telling you, even though they have manipulated it before the answer came out. That's the whole Mark Twain lies, damn lies, and statistics, I feel like. Is that – okay, but I yeah, got to go. I have that book. That book is fantastic. Is that it? I got to go. All right. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Can we sign off. That concludes this episode of the Propaganda Report. Thank you very much, Binkley. Thank you. God save the queen. <laughs> okay. Bye, sweetie. Bye. <laughs>